I love that new song. Thank you so much for leading us in that. As Dan mentioned, this has been quite a week. I know for our family, it's been an incredible week. Uh, Friday night, we were just right outside of Detroit for my son Lincoln's wedding, and it was just a incredible sight. Just we, we had such a great time, and uh, it always helps when your child is marrying somebody you actually like, and we... Um, we, we love Emmanuel, and it even helps more when the uh, bride's parents are paying for the wedding, so you get to go and really, really relax. So that was just, I'd love to show you pictures. Great night. But toward the end of that night, I got a phone call, and I'm really thankful that I was called, that our sister Tony Bedgood had passed away. She'd been in the hospital the last couple of weeks with COVID, fighting for her life. It really took me off my feet. My son Lincoln's 25 years old. Tony's 26. So full of life. So beautiful, so bold. Very few families have walked in here and been more loved than the Bedgood family. And we're just all heartbroken. And trying to have those two images together, it was just so hard. One of the greatest moments in life, and what at least if we didn't know God, the worst moment of life, truly teaches you that life is a vapor for all of us that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It truly confirms to us that our only hope is in Jesus, that we stand on his promises, that Tony's in heaven, but it doesn't stop us from hurting. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, our life is so full of ups and downs, peak moments and valleys. God, just the other night, I was in the middle of such an exuberant moment and then such a terribly sad moment at the same time. And Father, we're just thankful that the promise of Scripture is that you're with us on the mountaintops and in the valleys that you never forsake us, and that as we studied last week, Jesus tasted death for everyone and defeated it. And so on one hand, it might look like Lincoln's wedding was the highlight of that day. We believe that Tony's death was the highlight of that day. God, help us to cling to our faith in these moments. Be with the bad, good family, Lord. We love them so much. Lord, please, please, please comfort them. May the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, be right there in the middle of them and give them a peace that would make no sense to any of us. We're just thankful that we know Jesus, and that does change things. We're thankful that we have hope, Lord. God, we pray all of this in his name. Amen. As soon as I heard that, you know, as a preacher, you start thinking, well, I better change topics for Sunday because this is such a devastating blow. But then I thought about what I was going to preach about. I thought, no, this is not the Sunday to change topics. If anything, this would be the Sunday to preach this. We're talking but today about something commonly called mission drift. We thank God today that the bad, good families never drifted from their mission, especially with their children. 
We know how easy mission drift takes place. It takes place in all kinds of organizations. I've given you this illustration before of, of Harvard University formed in 1636 to help students know God and Jesus Christ. Its primary mission was to train ministers to preach the gospel. But slowly but surely it drifted to 1987. They actually made a statement that this university was no longer associated with Christianity. One you might not be familiar with, just look at this symbol. This next symbol, if you would. Do you notice what's missing? It just says the Y. No longer the words YMCA. The Y was formed in England in 1844 called the Young Men's Christian Association. It originally simply started as a Bible study for displaced homeless boys. Eventually, it got into fitness. By the time Dwight Moody brought it across the Atlantic Ocean to America, its goal was to share the gospel. But the fitness business continued to take over. By 2010, in a majority of wives across America, they dropped the MCA, Men's Christian Association, and are simply about fitness. Thank goodness, if you look on the local Y here in Montgomery, it says our goal is to instill Judeo-Christian values. It's so easy for an organization that started with the best of intentions to drift. It's so easy even for a church. You've heard me give this story, but I love it. Years ago, Charles Swindle was going to Atlanta to speak. He actually had the Sunday off, so he's trying to decide well, what church you'd go to. So back in that day, you went to the Yellow Pages. And he's looking through the Yellow Pages, and he comes across the name of a church that baffles him. It actually was listed as the Church of God Grill. And he thinks, what in the world could that be? And so curiosity gets the best of him, and he calls on the phone. Someone answers the phone. He said, hey, I'm, I'm new in town. I just noticed your name, Church of God Grill. What, what is that about? And the person on the other end of the phone said, you know, we started in downtown Atlanta a few years ago as a mission point to lead people to Christ, and we just didn't have enough money. So we started selling some fried chicken on the side. Before long, the fried chicken business was really good. The church business wasn't very good. So we just kept the name, Church of God Grill. That's crazy. And yet all of us know a church might not have the boldness to say that. We've all seen churches that slowly but surely have ended up on a mission that is completely unlike the mission that Jesus actually gave us. And, and so today, let's talk about mission drift. The opposite of mission drift is to be mission true. And here's what I want you to see today. Jesus was mission true from the moment he told his mom and dad, 12 years old, I must be about my father's business until on the cross he completed his father's business. As we were talking about last week, Jesus is our trailblazer. He's the one who goes before us and makes the path clear. And as we seek to be individuals in a church that is on a mission, We've got to follow Jesus. So I want you to just thumb through the gospel of Luke with me today. And let's look at a few passages and get some points about what it means to be mission true. Start off at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, I've come 
to free people. First thing you got to know if your mission true, and you can tell it by what you say. Jesus stated his mission in the beginning, and we'll see that he states it over and over again. He's true to his mission, and what he says, those words have got to come out of your mouth. That's what the church, we try to do it. The most encouraging thing said to me over the last years was when John Noel Thompson and his family came to Landmark. They'd moved to Montgomery, they're visiting around churches, and when they decided to become a member here, here's what he says to me. He said, I wanted to be here because this is a church on a mission. And he said, that mission was crystal clear the first time we walked in here. You've got to say it, even if it sounds redundant, because we know so many churches and organizations where their mission statement is actually meaningless. <laughs> you ever been in a fast food restaurant and your service is terrible? And nobody even seems to know you're at the counter. You ever find yourself, you're the one saying thank you? You know, they don't say thank you to you, but your service is terrible. It's really slow. The food's cold. And in the middle of this, you look over on the wall and there's a plaque with their mission statement. Our mission is to serve the freshest, best food possible in the quickest, most efficient way possible. And you go, could, could one of you look at that statement over there? I mean, just, just for a moment, have you forgotten what it's about? And guys, this has got to be more than just a statement we make. We say at Landmark, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Succinctly, well put. But with Jesus, it was more than what he said. Look at another passage, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Number two, you can't just say it, you got to focus on it. You know your mission true when you focus like a laser on your mission. Christ, some older translation said, set his face toward Jerusalem. He's at the point in his ministry now where everything's not tiptoeing through the roses. I mean, things are getting difficult. He's beginning to be under criticism and persecution. I, I like what the, the famous theologian Mike Tyson said about that. He says... Some of you are too young. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And it's easy to come with this mission plan to somebody who doesn't like it. When you undergo criticism, you say, oh, we don't want anybody to be unhappy. Let's vacate our mission. But Jesus resolutely set his face to go to the cross. And that's what I love about what's going on in our church right now. I love what Austin Moore said last Sunday on this stage. I came to Landmark because I wanted to be a part of the church that put mission over tradition. That's not easy even for church because there's so many distractions in life. None of us would stand up and boldly say, we don't want to be on a mission for God. But you don't have to say that. It's like what we've been talking about as individuals the last few weeks. Naturally, if you don't focus on what's important, you will naturally drift from who you ought to be. And a church will naturally drift. I, I read a book years ago about churches, and it, it gave a bell curve of how churches start with great excitement and mission, and they reach this apex, and then they start falling down it until the church finally shrinks and disappears. 
And the name of the book was To Dream Again. And what they said every church had to do is periodically, you've got to redream the dream. And you can stop the bell curve from going on the other side by going back to your beginning and saying, here's what we dreamed about, here's who we are, and we're going to stay focused on that. You see, guys, understand this. This is so important. The church is the only organization on the face of the earth that exists for people not in the organization. We don't exist for you guys. We don't exist for, for me. We exist for people who don't know Christ. And we cannot claim honestly to be the body of Christ if we're more focused on keeping the saved happy than we are on helping the unsaved be saved. Now, let's go to another story. Because Jesus doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't just focus on it. He does it. You're familiar with this story in Luke chapter 19. I want to read this. And you see Jesus. Again, he's not just talking about the mission. He's actually doing it. And it'd be easier probably for him not to. You should read the context of the story. Verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho. was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. That's not a good sign. People don't like tax collectors. They're working with the enemy. They're ripping the Jewish people off. They certainly don't like wealthy chief tax collectors. So this is a guy, most people would say, Jesus, do not fool with this guy. Now, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That had to blow Zacchaeus' mind. Not only does he get to see him, now does he speak to him. He invites himself over to his house to be with him. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now here's where Jesus gets in trouble. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus, you're supposed to exist for us saved people, not for these lost people. Did you know his reputation? But Zacchaeus, man, he's touched. He stood up. He said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I mean, Zacchaeus is humbled before Jesus. He repents, and Jesus said to him, Today, salvation, that's what he's come for. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. And then he restates his mission into me, the most succinct, powerful statement in the New Testament. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. My friends, Jesus didn't just talk about it. He didn't just focus on it. Jesus actually did it. You know your own, your mission true. By what you do. That's where the rubber meets the road. Jesus could have just talked a good game. Lots of people do. Lots of preachers do. But Jesus lived it. And for us, guys, it's, it's got to be more than just a mission statement for a church. It's got to be what we do. Where do we give our time? Who do we hang around? Do you deliberately spend time with people who don't know Christ? Now, I can preach about this because as a minister, we face the greatest battle. I can hang around great, safe people like y'all all day long. 
But do I purposely put myself in a place where I encounter people, where I cultivate relationships, where I make friendships for Jesus? Would that maybe change my schedule? Instead of being just so distracted by so many things in life. Now, guys, that's our problem. Nobody's going to say, I don't want to be on the mission. But there's so many fun things to do. There, there's so many activities to do, so many places to go, so many vacations to take, so many ball games to go to. So many, I mean, all, all good. But if I'm not careful, it, it, I drift because it crowds out the mission. Now, let me say this. Oftentimes, to stay true to the mission doesn't mean you need to go do something else. It just means you need to do something with more purpose. You walk in your school. You're looking for the lonely person who needs a friend. You walk in your workplace. You're looking for somebody who you could influence for Jesus. You're going out to eat after church, and you found someone new here today. You actually came to church, not for you today, but to find someone who may be in this building like they are every Sunday, searching for something new in life. You might go in our golf ministry and say, you know what, I love playing golf, but I'm, I'm not just going to golf. I'm going to invite a friend that may not know Jesus to go golf with me. That's how it happens. It's by what you do. Can I ask you, can I ask me, is that what we do? Let's, let's get re-centered on the mission. So I love about what's going on in our church right now. If you don't like what's going on in our church right now, if there's anything I love about what's going on in our church right now, is, is, is we're saying the mission is paramount. Now let's keep looking for some signs of being mission true. Go to Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Jesus is on his way to the cross. Verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I'm just going to stop there today. He just wept over it. I mean, why is Jesus weeping over the city of God? Because God walked their streets and they didn't recognize him. God preached to them and they didn't listen. God did incredible miracles and they didn't pay attention. And despite the fact they had every opportunity to follow God, they're lost. And Jesus is heartbroken. He weeps. And then look a little bit later. He goes to the house of God. Let's go to verse 45. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. Here's what he says. It is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. You say, what's going on here? Why is Jesus so angry here? He's full of anger. Why? Because the house of God has become everything it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where people connect with God, even Gentiles. Guys, Israel was never to just exist for itself. From the beginning, Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. And even in the temple, the Holy of Holies, there was a courtyard for Gentiles. But here's what happened. They're, they're, they're off their mission. Now the mission is not to connect people to God. The mission is to get cash in your pockets. And so for all these Jews coming from out of town, they've set up these places to buy your sacrifices. And guess where they set them up? In the courtyard, the Gentiles. The place where Gentiles were hoping to connect with God was a place where they were actually run away from God. You ever seen that in church? And Jesus is livid. 
So if you want to know if your mission true, you can see it by what you're emotional about. Can I ask you this morning, what makes you sad? What makes you weep? What fills you with joy? What fires you up? Has, has it anything to do with the mission of God? Because we get so charged up about so many things. And I'm not going into any of this. I'm not going to tell you my opinion on it because I know it would be awful. I only talk to people I'm close enough to tell them. You just can't have a civil conversation about masks. You can't have a civil conversation about vaccines. It's become impossible in our culture because we're so fired up, you can't really have a civil conversation about politics because we are so passionate about that. And you can agree and think that's good or bad. But let me tell you, when we can get passionate about things like that and we are not passionate about the cause of Christ and about lost people being saved, then something's wrong. And you know what I'm about to say. When we go into this football season and we go crazy with our passion for our teams and we don't go crazy when someone's baptized and we don't go crazy when someone comes close to Christ and we don't go crazy when someone walks a step closer to Jesus, something's wrong with the way we're living life. Thank you for that one clap. <laughs> Made my day. <laughs> See, I asked you guys, what are you emotional about? I'm serious. I'm asking myself that. I'm scared we're not emotional about the right things. Let's look at one more passage. John 19, 30. Let's go to John just for a minute. I love this passage. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Last point, you know your mission true by how you finish. It's easy to start, guys. It's easy to start walking with Jesus. That's what we've been dealing with these last few weeks as individuals. It's so easy to start, but the way of the world the sinfulness of the flesh, if you're not intentional, and as the book of Hebrews said, if you don't pay attention, you are naturally going to drift. And most churches start with incredible excitement and incredible clarity of mission. But slowly but surely, if we're not careful, we drift. That's what I love about this church. That's what I love about some of the people we've been honoring over the last few months is people that are finishing strong. People who, who hadn't taken retirement as an excuse just to goof off, but as a reason to serve even more. We've got so many of those people. We've got to honor them. So I ask you this morning, are you being mission true? In just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance. If, if, you, um, if you're not, we're going to have the leaders of this church surround this stage and give you a chance to pray about it individually. But before that, I just want to get real practical just for a few minutes. How do we avoid mission drift, okay? Because it, it, just, it just happens with almost every organization. That's why for many of us, a lot of the stores, a lot of the businesses we grew up with don't exist anymore. Well, let me give you a few points here. Mission-true organizations consistently state their mission. 
That's why I never get tired of us saying the Landmark Church exists to lead people into growing relationship with Jesus, period. What's our vision of how we do it? We seek to build a community for people. I'm I'm already messing it up. That's bad. Forgive me. Somebody start the L for me. Billy? We're a community of Jesus seeking to reach out to people struggling with life struggles. That's not even right still. I did it right first service, okay? Bear, bear with me a minute. But again, you know the essence of that. The essence of is, is we're here to lead people to Jesus and to grow in Jesus. The people most open to Jesus today are the same people open to Jesus when Jesus walked. It's people like you and me who know they're experiencing life struggles. That's all of us. And so we exist to be a community for people who are experiencing life struggles and to lead them to Jesus. I love that we say that. I wish I said it better right there. Second, mission-true organizations differentiate between mission and method. This is the challenge. Sometimes, and Al's going to talk about this in a minute, success messes you up. And you think because you're successful this way, it's the only way to do it. Here's some great illustrations in business. 1975, Kodak, biggest camera maker, filmmaker in the world. 2010, they declared bankrupt. What happened? In 1975, someone in the Kodak labs learned how to take pictures digitally without film. It got up to the president of the organization, and he said, quote, unquote, that's cute, don't tell anybody about it. And they did nothing. And while Kodak sat on it, everybody else went to digital. And before long, because Kodak wasn't willing to stay up with the times, it's bankrupt. And so, so easy, guys, for that to happen. Let me ask you this question. How many of you got your last movie from Blockbuster? Raise your hand. Because there's one Blockbuster store left in America. One. Miami, Florida. What happened? Blockbuster was going gangbusters. I mean, they were incredible. I guess that was good. They're, they, they, were just, they were just going crazy. Sorry, I'm tired, guys. They were just going, they were just going crazy. And you know what? They, they made the transition from VHS to DVD. They made it well. But they didn't make the transition to digital. And this is what I learned this week. Netflix offered them a partnership. And Kodak, not Kodak, <laughs> Blockbuster said, the president said this, ah, oh, that's nice, but there's only a small niche for that. Guess who's thriving now? Netflix. Guess who's closed everywhere? Blockbuster. Why? Because mission true organizations understand the difference between the mission and the method. That's what we're trying to do right now as a church. Mission true organizations select mission true leaders. We must have every elder, every deacon, every small group leader, every leader in this church on the same page about the mission. We did something years ago we don't do anymore, and we've got to revive this. Years ago when we started small groups, we said out front small groups are the most important thing in this church. And if you were going to be a small group leader, you had to go through our training. And number two, you, you had to sign a covenant. 
And on the bottom of that covenant, first of all, it says you're going to be committed. It said to you that you were going to you know, be regular in leading your group. You were going to invite people to your group. But on that covenant, it said, I agree with the mission of the Landmark Church. And to be a small group leader, you had to do that. Well, because mission true organizations know if you start selecting leaders who aren't on mission, it's going to fall apart. And one more thing, mission true organizations celebrate mission accomplished moments. That's what was so important when Dan got up here today, that we celebrated the new members. We celebrated the baptisms. It's so important. I'll never forget. Years ago, we had a, a family leave our church, and I, I finally called the man and said, why, why did you leave? I've never heard this before. I've never heard it since. He said, I leave because you guys at Landmark celebrate too much. <laughs> Is that crazy? Now, his idea was the only purpose of the assembly was to worship God, and that is the purpose of the assembly. But guys, you could do that in your closet by yourself. The other biblical purpose of assembly is to encourage one another. And that's why every time we take a step toward fulfilling the mission, we better celebrate because what you celebrate is what is important to the organization. So let's celebrate. Amen? You better clap next time. <laughs> so, let's get to our time of prayer. I'd like to invite all the shepherds and their wives, ministers and their wives, Gail and her husband, anybody, anybody like to come surround our stage for a time of prayer. And let me ask these two questions as we prepare for this time. Is Landmark Mission true? This is a time of self-evaluation for us as a church. Are we really true to our mission? Are we living it out? And that's why I'm so proud of these leaders that surround the stage. They're sold out to the mission. But then more specifically, I've got to ask you and I've got to ask me, are you mission true? Let me put it this way. If every member of this church was on a mission just like you, would the mission be accomplished? And that's okay to say right now, no. Because here's the great thing about Jesus is he gives us second, third, and a hundred chances. And the best thing for you to do today after we've looked at these passages is just to follow Jesus. He is the trailblazer. Last week we were challenged. I hope you've had a great week this week in staying close to Jesus. Because that's the key to not drifting. Because, and that, because when you're close to Jesus, he gives you the strength and motivation. And that's the key to staying on mission. Because when you get this close to Jesus, you will love what Jesus loves. You will hate what Jesus hates. You'll get excited about what Jesus was excited. You will do what Jesus did. So Dave, if you need prayers about following Jesus... Are you experiencing mission drift in your life? Are you hurting? Are you, you need prayers because you are on a mission and you're scared about your children, your grandchildren. And you need prayers. Or today you're worried about your spouse or friend and you want someone to pray with you about it. We invite you this morning to just come, you don't have to, to say anything on the front row, nothing publicly. We're just asking you to come pray about this, this great mission. 
and being focused on it and just following Jesus so that one day at the end of our life, we can say what Jesus said, maybe not in the grand scheme of things, but in his scheme of things. It is finished. Mission accomplished. That's why we can even celebrate 26-year-old Tony Bedgood because we know she accomplished the mission and she's with Jesus. If you need our prayers, just come up here and ask for them while we stand and pray.